Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the People Processes podcast, where we dive into the updates, interviews, and yes, processes that will help your organization thrive. My name is Rami Alijil, and my goal is to help HR managers and business owners create an environment where their people are their organization's competitive advantage. If you want to grab a copy of the People Processes book, it's on Amazon and the bookseller near you, like Barnes & Noble and Books A Million. It has a 100-day roadmap on how to turn your people into your competitive advantage. Oh, and don't forget, we post to LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook, and I would love to hear from you on there with any questions. You can also subscribe to us by going to peopleprocesses.com, where you'll receive a special subscriber-only content for free. People Processes is also available wherever you get your podcast. It syndicates on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher Radio. Well, today we have Erin Longmoon with Zephyr Recruiting. She is a serial entrepreneur. She started her first business back in 1995 when there were no traditional jobs that excited her. She started Zephyr Recruiting in the fall of 2017, just a little while ago, after being a business coach for a number of years. She focused on small micro businesses and found that they deeply needed to help build teams. Uh, they They needed help building teams that were not only effective and efficient, smart and skilled, but also who fit into the culture of that business. When you only have 10 or maybe even 30 employees, it's hard to hide a bad fit. And that's what she is an expert in. So she took her five years of recruiting experience and decided to focus on this much needed service in this very underserved market. Now, Erin, you just moved from Seattle to Cleveland with your husband, your daughter and your dog. Is that right? That is right. Yes. Well, great. Well, welcome to the show. How do you like Cleveland? It's a big change, but we're really enjoying it. It's kind of nice to be in a new area where everything is, you know, shiny and new, you know. (laughs) Where were you you at before that? We were in Seattle for 23 years, actually. Big move. Yeah, really big move. Yep. So so what is just moved? Like, what does that mean? Six months ago. I just counted it up. We moved in um, August. So we've been there for six months. Oh, goodness. So yeah. have you found your favorite coffee place or that hangout spot that you need to you know, get away from it all? I have to say that that is unfortunately one thing that I think Cleveland is sorely lacking compared to Seattle. <laughs> I can um, see that. It's a really great coffee place. There are a few. I'm not going to say that that there aren't some. There are some. But um, it's not on every street corner like it is in Seattle. Mm. So it's it's been a journey. Awesome. Well, so you have to tell me, I I said that you didn't find any jobs that excited you back in the 90s. And then just in 2017, you decided to start Zephyr Recruiting, which I know has been really successful. How did you actually make that transition? How did you get into Zephyr Recruiting? So um, as I mentioned in the, or as was mentioned in the bio, I was a business coach for a few years prior to starting Zephyr um, with Sage Business Partners. And, you know, Part of what we did was help our very small micro businesses figure out how to become legitimate businesses, scale, grow, systematize. And that often led to needing to add to their team. Some of them, it would be their first hire. Some of them, it might have been their seventh hire. But this inevitably, at least 70, 80% of our clients would end up um, at some point where they needed to hire. And then they would hit the brakes because they either didn't know how to do it effectively. They would make poor choices, unfortunately, often hiring, you know, cousin Bob or things like that. Uh, we've all, uh, we've all hired cousin Bob. That's, that's yeah, exactly. We've all the hired cousin Bob. Yeah. <laughs> we love cousin Bob, but maybe not to as an employee. Um, you know, so a lot of stories like that came up and I had recruiting experience personally um, as an employee 
employee in the past with a couple of different companies I've worked with. Uh, definitely something I've enjoyed. And when I decided with Sage, um, I actually had my own business coach, of course, because we all should at some point. And that business coach really encouraged me to focus and to look at my business and find out what is the sweet spot between, you know, what is a great service that my clients need? What was a good revenue generator? And what did I love to do the most? And was there a sweet spot in there that can kind of incorporate all those? Mm. And recruiting really was very glaringly it, the it. So um, I changed the name because Sage, there's some other businesses related to staffing and, and that sure. kind of thing with the name Sage. So we changed it to Zephyr Recruiting. And that's how we came to be. That's awesome. Well, I think the entrepreneurial journey, you know, it has those ups and it has those downs. Um, and we, of course, love to talk about those new exciting things, but I think we learn more from the failures. Right. So would you mind getting real with me and share with uh, me and our audience about your biggest business failure, that one that really hurts and, and kind of tell us a little bit about that time? You know, it's yes, I definitely can. And it is, it's an interesting question because I think, you know, I come from the the mindset that that there's no such thing as failure, right? And and it's probably because I'm a mom and we're trying to teach our kids the same thing. Um, so it's actually challenging for me to see anything that's happened as a true failure. But oh, and that's the right that right way to put it. That's so the right yeah. way to think about it. Yeah, it you know, and 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 I you know, so in thinking about this a little bit, um, you know, probably one of the more relevant and, and like you said, painful kind of lessons that I've learned was, uh, a couple of years ago or about a year and a half ago, I decided that it was time to bring on some recruiters and we decided, you know, for business purposes, it would be best to start as contractors. And so I put the feelers out and, you know, I had a general idea of what I wanted these women to do, which was basically just take over, you know, a lot of the recruiting I was doing, um, pass the baton, so to speak. And so I found a couple of really delightful women in my community who it seemed to be a good fit. Um, and I just sort of threw them to the wolves. I gave them a rundown of how I did my thing and then just sent them off. And um, it didn't work. You know, it really did not work with either one of them. And they were wonderful women. It had nothing to do with them. They were skilled. They they were knowledgeable. They were friendly. They, they, you know, connected with the candidates. It was because I didn't spend the time ahead of time creating job description, you know, that onboarding process, the trainings that they really mm -hmm. needed. I think I just trusted that it was a simple thing I'm doing. It can't be that hard to understand, right? <laughs> yeah, you know it. It's easy. Yeah, I mean, it's super when easy. I look at it, it's like three things. Click the button. What do you exactly. want? Exactly. It's like I do this in my sleep, right? So it was, you know, yeah, it was kind of painful because it was really evident really early on, which left me with a workload that was more than I could really mm -hmm. juggle. Um, but, you know, it's also that harsh reality. And I think it's funny. It's like the cobbler, you know, the cobbler has no shoes kind of story that here I am a recruiter and I did a really poor job recruiting my own recruiters. You know, I thought 100%. it's almost ironic and, and funny, you know, I'm able to laugh at it, but, but it was a painful lesson, you know? if I want to become an employer, I have to also act like an employer and I need, I need to take a step back and, and really think through and develop what needs to be developed so that I can onboard recruiters in a much more effective way so that they can be successful. So if you had to like sum that up, what do you think our listeners should take? Like the one nugget from that story. 
yeah, which right? would be the most important thing. You could pull out so many nuggets from that story probably, oh, yeah. but you know, for me, the biggest one was, was time. And I tell my clients this all the time. It's about patience, you know, take the time to plan things out, write an effective job description as much as you wish you could find someone to start tomorrow. Cause a lot of my clients are often in that place. They're in a place where they need a body in their office. Now um, it's just going to backfire. So take the time and be patient and do it right from the Absolutely. start. Yeah. I think that's a good one. And at that small business, and I'm, I'm even in that boat. It's yeah. one of those where, you know, you have to hire for the business you're going to get, which means you can't afford the hire. Right. <laughs> right. You get the business and then it's like, okay, now I have the money and I need to hire somebody, but they needed to have started a month ago right? <laughs> and already right. know everything. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a chicken or the egg problem. That's always it is. there. It really is. It's a big conundrum that we're kind of constantly thinking about and talking about with our clients and trying to find solutions for that problem. Yeah. Well, and and of course, you know, my company, we focus a lot on that onboarding step about how you turn someone from I'm excited to come to work for you to I'm competent and can be trusted. That right. that whole process is a is is worth investing in. And it doesn't cost a lot of money. It just, as you said, costs time. It costs time and focus. Yep. Yep. But, and it's But you so know what it does? It saves a lot of time too, doesn't it? It's a lot cheaper yeah. than the alternative. <laughs> oh, and it saves a ton of money, a ton of time. I mean, you know, the bad fit or the or the or a poor onboarding process can really shift the dynamic right. to something that now becomes a ten headed monster that, you know, it, now that's all the owner of the business can focus on. So yes, doing it right from the start, setting the foundation is, I think, key really to, to small businesses being successful. As a here's employer. here's my add-on piece and my my personal mess up on that. So I have always considered that to be you got to spend the time on onboarding, right? You got to design out your training. You got to put in automation systems to make it something you can improve over time. Well. I've said that to a thousand clients and for my core business, we've had that in place for years, but I needed to make a new hire and I wanted to hire somebody who does video editing and graphic design for our company because we use a lot of third parties and independent contractors. But I was like, I want to bring someone on who really, really does this ourselves, right? right? So I had a new hire start January 1 of this year. Oh, wow. And she made it till January 28th. Oh, wow. I, and I'm not someone, I mean, I don't, we, we have, we have very low turnover here. There, I mean, but the truth is I brought her on and I thought you're the marketing expert. You know, I didn't, I don't know much about graphic design and video editing. I mean, I can, I can open a, I can open Photoshop and change the (laughs) colors, but like, you know, but this, this is a really qualified candidate. Um, and I kind of threw in the deep end. I was like, here's what we do. Here's our website. Here's some videos we've made in the past. Now here's the 16 things I want go forth. And I did the exact thing that I tell my clients. You can't do that. Yep. And, um, you know, two weeks in, it became very obvious. Uh, oh my gosh, she doesn't know about us. She doesn't know why we do what we do. She doesn't, uh, the whole world was, you know, every, it just blew me away. Mm-hmm. Even, even you mentioned the 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 shoemakers children have no yeah. shoes yeah right. it's like we all forget this lesson it's worth repeating yes isn't that ironic <laughs> isn't that great it's just like yeah. it doesn't matter yeah so anyway um 
Well, so going forward, now that you've kind of gotten established and you've you've changed cities and you've learned some of your your big lessons, what's got you most excited in the next, say, six months that you're kind of rolling out that's got you kind of getting up in the morning? Well, um, this is at the very, very, very infant stage, but my goal for 2019, uh, what I've seen repeatedly, again, going back a little bit to the same conversation is my com- my clients are very small businesses. And so they not invested a lot of time in learning how to be great employers and creating culture. And what does that mean, company culture? And how do you infuse it deeply in? And how do you build a company where like you, you've got very low turnover and everybody's a great fit and, you know, that kind of a thing. And so I'm really wanting to focus this year on some educational offerings that we will be giving to our clients to help them take that next step to just being really, really great employers and being great companies to work for. That's amazing. As a recruiter, I mean, so many recruiters limit their entire thinking to just getting the body in the chair, right? Uh, or even 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 the good ones. It's like, you know, we want to make sure they fit and they have the skills and that's that's all important. But I think taking that extra step to help them make sure they're good once they have the employee, that's such a huge differentiator. Yes, yes. That'll and really it's so them. needed. I think there's a lot of information for larger businesses and a lot of resources yeah larger companies, but not a lot for my small, you know, my small micro businesses that I hold dear and near to my heart. Um, so I'm hoping to fill that gap for them. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, you'll, yeah. we'll have to check in when you have that up and running, see what that lessons you learned. Hopefully yeah. they're not too painful. Yes, right? <laughs> <laughs> so great. now we're going to go to some quick questions and these are just great advice things that I know my listeners love to hear about. If, if you could recommend one book right now, what, what would, what would it be? Oh, that's a hard one. It's hard. Great books. Okay. But the one that I know I repeatedly come back to and recommend to people honestly is Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. Mm. And I read it, I want to say it was 2016 and it was a life changer. It really, right before you started your company, isn't it? Or yeah, before you it, started was. Your it, mm. it was when I, it was right around the same time that I was evaluating the Sage business partners and how do we focus and what do we focus on? It all kind of happened at the same time. And it just really, you know, in a nutshell, it talks about being courageous and, you know, in spite of fear, you know, and, and being vulnerable and what that looks like and how to do that to live a life you really want. And it did honestly shifted my thinking so that I could take some really outrageous and courageous steps that I was probably wouldn't have done otherwise. I really, it was the life changer for me. So I highly recommend it. That's awesome. It'll have yeah. to go right there on the bookshelf, right next to people processes by this yes, guy. Right Alley. Hang out there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Great book. <laughs> well, so if you could tell yourself something back on your first day of your new Zephyr recruiting, if you could send yourself a letter, be like, hey, guess what? I'm you from the future. And uh, this is something you need to know. What would you tell yourself? Oh, wow, Remy. There's a number of things I'd want to say to myself. Mm. Um, I think one of them for sure is to stay focused. I, you know, as a lot of entrepreneurs, we're idea people. We love coming up with our latest, greatest, shiniest, newest idea, and it's very easy to get distracted by them. Um, and so I, I have to work at pulling myself back and staying on target and staying on focus and on track. And I think that if I had known that a little bit earlier, um, you know, it would have saved me some time. Mm. 
mm. trying to just trying new things and different things. I can't remember who said it, but someone years ago, I heard the acronym FOCUS, follow one course until success. And I always think that's a, yeah, FOCUS, yeah. That is great. I don't think I've ever heard that acronym. I love it. That might have to go up on my wall. Follow one course <laughs> until success. Don't get distracted. Don't it's supposed to be hard. When, it, yes. when you see those hard yeah. things, that's a sign, hey, you're doing something that's worthwhile. Yeah. And if I can add one more little that's sort of sure. similar, the other thing is, is it's okay to take your time. You know, there's no huge rush to like to to get to the finish line. So stay focused and and plug along and chug along at a nice doable pace. I think at one point, you know, I was working the typical 80, 90 hour work weeks, just thinking I was at, you know, trying to I was in some kind of race. I don't know with who, but I was in some kind of race mm-hmm. that I had to get to the finish line first. And I really pull, have in the last year, a lot of the transition and moving also helped with that, but it's like reset and, and, and slow down, you know? I, I think that's absolutely it. I was reading a book recently and I can't remember the name of it. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes, but it was talking about, um, creative time or, uh, unstructured time, right? Mm-hmm. That if right. you are going that, that the, the focus on, short-term productivity. You have to complete the task right now. We got to add more tasks and be more efficient and push more and more that that actually sabotages your long-term. So interesting. it's it's this kind of trade-off between maximizing your today Mm -hmm. versus maximizing, like taking half of that day and putting it towards unstructured time, learning, but also just creative time, taking a walk, being out among your friends and talking about ideas, those things that we don't really get to call work time, but that in the long run adds up and makes the structured time more and more effective. It really does. And that's interesting because I've just started a new book that sounds along the line. Is it by chance that book was Clockwork? Oh, no, it wasn't. But uh, that is a great book. Uh, Mike McCallowitz, Clockwork. Yeah. Yeah. I love, well, I love his books and, uh, I just started it. I'm just on maybe chapter three, but that is such a big part of his message in this book. And it, it really does shift the way you think about productivity, um, you know, and what exactly in line with what you're saying. So I think there's a shift going on. Mm -hmm. I think there will be, I think we're going to see this in the next few years. We had a couple years of grit and grind, right? Grit and grind. Exactly. Grit and grind. Yeah. And it hasn't gotten us anywhere. So let's try something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now we've got kind of an HR question. Your expertise in recruiting, maybe you've seen a lot of employees come on and a lot of, you've had a lot of insight into a bunch of different companies. What do you think if, if, if our listeners could implement one policy, procedure, system, training, one thing that's had the biggest effect on your or your client's companies, what do you think that would be and why? You know, it's interesting you mentioned the HR. I'll be honest. The one thing that really has made the biggest difference isn't HR. And I'm cringing in saying that because I can't believe I that. No, no. But actually going back to Michael McCallowitz, his um, Profit First. I don't know if you're familiar with Profit First. Sure, sure. Okay. So, I, you know, I was really thinking about what is it that's made a significant impact. And it it has been Profit First. And that um, idea for anybody who's not read his book, it's Michael McCallowitz, is that, you know, you shift the way you look at your at the finances of your business and you and you basically you set aside your profit before you pay your expenses. And we're so used to paying all of our expenses and whatever's left is our profit. Right. That that financial planning 101 idea that every employee knows, pay yourself first. Business owners just can't wrap their head around it. 
Yes, exactly. That's what was so like ding ding for me was wait mm-hmm. a minute, I do this in my personal life. Why aren't I doing this in my business world? And and you know, it just instantly changed everything. It's a game changer really for your business. And I know a number of other businesses who've implemented it and they're successful, they're financially sound. Mm-hmm. The business owners don't feel like they're on that hamster wheel of I've got to get the next, I got to get the next. I mean, we all do. We need sales, but it just kind of shifts your mindset around around your finances. And it was a really, really big game changer. Well, we put Profit First in effect about four years ago in our company. It made a huge difference. Ah. And in fact, Mike Michalowicz wrote the uh, blurb on my book. So if you oh. check out people processes at Amazon, Mike Michalowicz is there. that. What yeah, a small so world, right? Yeah, Mike's, Mike's, yeah, it's funny that I promise I didn't bring him up, but he, yeah. He, I was um, going to say, I don't even know Michael McCallowitz, but I talk about him all the time. So I think I'm a very I great guy. guy. I've got, yeah. yeah. I think it's time for me to meet him. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and as your business grows, maybe, I'd love to, I'd be happy to make an introduction. He has a great podcast, Profit First Professionals, that maybe we can yes. get you on this. Yeah. Yes. Well, cool. So that's it. Well, hey, speaking of getting more connections out there, if our listeners are looking for a recruiting firm, you said you work primarily with what, 10 to 50 man companies or so? Yeah, anywhere from, I mean, we work with some companies that do their first hire, but generally most of our clients are between 10 and 50 to 60. Uh, So they're smaller micro businesses. We work on a flat fee structure. So we're very different than your typical recruiter. but the flat fee structure, and we're very dedicated to being, you know, a matchmaker, finding the right mm-hmm. fit and helping coach our clients to be really great employers so that these employees they invest in will stay with them for a long time. Well, if they want to contact you, where should they find out more or, or give you a drop you a line? Yeah, it's uh, our website's probably the best way to do it. So it's www.zephyr, which is Z E P H Y R, and then the word recruiting. So zephyrrecruiting.com. Awesome. Well, we I hope I hope uh, you get some business and they they give you a call. It's a, you know, recruiting is such a pain point and finding a good partner to do that can just optimize your company in such a great way. So I look forward to hearing about some of those successes. Yeah, I will definitely keep you posted. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for being on the show. That's it for today. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. It is time to go out there and get your work done. I'm Rami.